What's up, what's up, y'all? This is Dave. And this is Devin. And you're listening to the Dave and Dev Podcast. Dave and Dev. Gotta keep it real like Dave and Dev. On my job like Dave and Dev. Tell no lie like Dave and Dev. Some days I wanna stay in bed, but I get ready for the day ahead. I wanna complain, but I pray instead. Then I'm on my way to the Dave and Dev. And it go like, I don't need a crew. Don't play by he say, she say rules. Don't play, no, we can't do. I'd rather have faith while G-O-D make moves. So please stay cool. All, all I do is speak the truth on things I see they do. I'm a sinner myself. No lie, I need grace too. We lit like EKU. Yeah. What's up, y'all? Good morning, Devin. Hey, what's going on, Dave? How you doing? I'm doing good, man. Just happy to be on the podcast and ready for ready for an awesome episode. It is June 13th. It is my wife's birthday. Hey. So start, I need to give a shout out to Adeline. Happy, happy birthday, Adeline. To one of the first happy ladies. Yeah, man. Man. All right, A.M. How, how old is she? That's not appropriate. Can't tell her? Oh. <laughs> She's still young. But no. <laughs> growing, growing in the Lord. Hey. Growing in the Lord. That's a good answer. That is a great answer, man. Hey, I'm so proud. That was real husband maturity right there, man. Good good job, bro. You passed yeah. the test. Hey, a, year, a year in, I teach you a lot of stuff. Hey, you're right. You're right. I'm just glad you listen, bro. I'm just glad you listen. <laughs> well, hey, listen, man. Before we get uh, too much further into it, let's hear a word from our sponsor, Ascend would Dave and Dev podcast is sponsored by Ascend Wood. Ascend Wood is sharing the gospel and God's word through their apparel and bracelets. A portion of every item helps fund their ministry partner in Haiti. For more information, you can go to their website at ascendwood.com or you can find them on social media at Ascend Wood. Devin, man, let's uh let's kick this thing off. All right. So today we have a guest. His name is Joseph Dix. He is JD. You a you an elder at uh yeah. He's a he's an elder at a, at a local church here in Lexington. Um, he's been really involved in, in some of the stuff that's going on. Uh, he's been uh sort of like a mentor to me when it comes to thinking about these these uh social issues when it comes to in Christianity. So, uh, J.D., welcome to the podcast. Hey, it's good to be here, guys. Devin and Dave, man, thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. So, tell the people a little bit about yourself. Uh, a little bit is I'm a Lexingtonian, born and raised, married, a husband and one wife. Her name is Melanie. Uh, so, we've been, we're going on five years now. Hey. Um, in October, man. So, uh, it's been a blessing. And... Um, what else can I say about myself? Like you already said, Elder Mosaic. Um, work for the Kentucky Baptist Convention as a campus minister and um, regional guy at Kentucky State University. And so um, I think it's a little bit about me. Right on. What, uh, so what got you into campus ministry? Uh, 
it, it wasn't something that I wanted to get into. Okay. Uh, but um, it was about three years ago. Uh, there was a brother who was over the over the campus at the time, and they were transitioning him to the University of Louisville Baptist Campus Ministry. And so it was funny. We were actually in the in the midst of I was taking another position in Washington D.C. And then they called me and asked me to consider taking the position at K State. And um, I, at first, I wasn't that intrigued, and I was like, "Man, I'm trying to get back to D.C., brothers. You know, I love it." <laughs> but um, man, I got a heart for my, my HBCU students. Um, I actually I did a year there at, at K State before transferring to UK. And then my wife, she's a graduate of. Texas State University as well. And so uh, we, we got a little bit of roots there. And, um, and I wanted to go make an impact um, for, for you know, a season, however long that may be. And wanted to see them thrive uh, like every other BCM. And so uh, that's kind of what drew me in. It wasn't something that I had considered at first. But nonetheless, you know, God orders, orders your steps, man. Yeah, man. Turn down D.C. to go to Frankfurt. <laughs> One brother. capital to another, just not as glamorous. Come on. <laughs> Come on, Dave. Man, that's legit. God, uh, God does some crazy stuff like that, right? Yeah, he does. Well, you got some really interesting perspective, and uh, I'm super excited to, to kind of dive into that, just kind of being – you know, from the perspective of, you know, obviously being a black man in Lexington, Kentucky, an elder at a church and being in campus ministry at a HBCU. Like, I don't I don't know a single other person that's in campus ministry at HBCU. So that's awesome. I'm super excited to, to dive right in. Um, you know, kind of my first question to you, Joe, is like, like the last three weeks, like what have you been processing through? Where are you at right now? Like with everything going on, like what? What have you, have you learned something? Have you taught something? Like, I'm just curious to hear, like, you know, kind of from your perspective, like, what have you been thinking through? Whew. Um, <laughs> we got all the time in the world, know, by the way, man. You go, you go right ahead. <laughs> man, where, you know, where can I start? You know, learning and teaching, processing, um, still processing. Um, so much is going on. It's a bit overwhelming. And there's really nothing new, right. so to speak. But but then but then again there is and you know we can get to that in a little bit but I mean I, I've really been trying to process specifically like next steps. That's 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 been my end of processing. So it hasn't been like, hey man, why is this happening? Or how do I deal with this? Um or you know, hey man, how do I talk about this with somebody? Now, this has been more so like, because that's happened before, I've been trying to process what are the next steps that we can take moving forward. Nothing immediate, more so long term. Right. Like what's going to be, what's going to have long lasting impact? And is there anything that we can do more importantly uh, through the local church has been what I've been trying to think through and, and process and pray and just seek the Lord for wisdom on. So that's the processing in. And then learning, man, um, has really been trying to learn uh, a lot of people's agendas mm -hmm. um, behind uh, them getting behind these protests, 
and why they're not getting behind the protests. Um, there have been some brothers and sisters who have communicated to me their apprehensions, um, some who have got on board and then jumped off because of some of the news uh, and because of some of the fears and because of uh, what other people have, um, uh, some of the critiques that, you know, some of the white members have given. And, um, and then, you know, do some teaching because with that comes teaching. Now I have to like rebuttal some of their, their thinking and uh, have to kind of challenge them in some ways. And then what I've noticed is a lot of them don't know the history. Yeah. They don't know. I mean, I mean, black history is American history. And so some of them don't know the other side of American history. And so when you got to walk them through it to help them understand that, you know, racism existed a long time ago. And honestly, the founders were, were racist. Uh, they asked why. And I'm like, well, because they own slaves. Uh, they benefit off the backs of slaves. You got to read the Constitution. You, you know, you have to read, you know, the, the, the amendments, the 13th, obviously. Right. Uh, you got to know about like the three-fifths compromise and so on and so forth and these Jim Crow laws and things of that nature. And it's like when you when you say this stuff to them, it's almost like a light bulb goes off, man. And I'm thinking like, how come we don't know this? So, yeah, there's been an equal amount of teaching, uh, listening, and uh, and a very fair amount of, of processing. That's, that's what I was going to – you mentioned like the history part of it. Um a lot of times when I talk to people about this about this topic, a lot of people are, they just don't know the history. And so I would I would say like when I was growing up, uh, my parents made made sure that I knew Black history, that I knew stuff about uh, you know the Three Fifths Compromise, and I and I knew stuff about the founders. Not not just to say that the world is racist mm-hmm. around you, but to say like. Also, that you have like great African American people who came up in this country, who are like inventors, who were politicians, who were you know, who were doing great things for change. Uh, not we weren't just social activists the whole time, and um, and so that's kind of it's it's an interesting thing that we're that we're in right now because it's almost like reteaching history to people. Right. Yeah, that's tough. Uh, it's it's exhausting too. Like I, I can imagine, Devon. Like I, I'd pose the same question to you. Like beyond that, would you say there's anything further that you've been like navigating, dealing with, processing through? Yeah. So I've been. I mean, it's. I've been thinking about a lot. Um, like I said last week, I, I started off angry. Then I came to a point of, uh, sort of next steps, and just hoping that. Uh, this isn't just a phase. This isn't just a trend for people. Mm. Um, so, of course, you don't want to see like the rioting and looting and whatever. But uh, people still being engaged and aware, and uh, they they want they want social change. Mm-hmm. So, but the thing that I've been wrestling with the most here lately, uh, I know there's a biblical precedence for protest and social reform. Uh, but in light of that, uh, knowing that the world hates Christianity, mm. so how much change can I really can I really make? And I and that's sort of it's a it's a hard spot to be at because I'm thinking you know because that's that's something that I'm processing through through right now is that if we're not supposed to be of the world and the world hates Christianity and and what it stands for, 
how can how can a Christian be involved in social reform? I know we're supposed to stand for justice, but how can we be sure. involved in social reform? Mm. That's good. Yeah, that brings up a, a really, you know, interesting thought. I was talking to a guy the other day and he said the hardest thing for him is that on this side of eternity, we're never going to see true reform, right? We're never going to see true peace. We're never going to see the elimination of racism and pride at its core, right? Like, we're never going to see that on this side of eternity because there's always going to be sinful people that have pride deep down in their souls, and <clears throat> and it facilitates in, you know, racism and other, you know, prejudices and things like that. So, you know... Right, Devin, to kind of just like piggyback off, you know, your last couple of statements, like maybe this, you know, you guys can answer this kind of together in the statement, but like the, the phraseology, like just stick to the gospel. Like, how are you guys responding to that right now? E- even if you're not technically like mm-hmm. actually responding, but like what, like what's the response stirring in your heart and your mind to like speak out against that like kind of statement or just to, to speak truth into that statement and move forward. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna let uh, I'm gonna let JD take this one. This is this is <laughs> this is this is his wheelhouse. Oh man, stop! <laughs> hey, I tell you, man, to, to respond to I guess that imparts. Um, yeah, saying that on this side of eternity we'll never see racism eradicated. Um, we all get that as Christians. And it's and that's even a tough pill to swallow, but I think we do have to be careful when we say that, like in a in a defeatist type sure. of way, or in a way that uh, that uh, lends itself to passivity. I think we got to reject those things and know that hey, there's a lot of things that are not going to be perfect. Matter of fact, nothing's going to be perfect just out of eternity. However, it doesn't remove. Uh, the human responsibility, you know, it's, 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 hey, um, uh, faith without works is dead, mm. right? So, uh, there, there's still a working mechanism in play here. And so, you know, we still ought to be planting those seeds. We still ought to try to get involved in some sort of, as Devin pointed to, social reform the best way that we can. Um, we still ought to get into, um, trying to enact legislation, um, the best way that we can. Um, serve and all that good stuff. And so there's specific ways that we can get involved, but it shouldn't, but, but we shouldn't say, hey, it's never going to uh, end. And so let's just pray and just let the Lord do it. Right. And then that leads itself now, hey, the gospel is the answer. I understand what that means. Um, we all believe that the gospel is the answer. Um, but some, as I already pointed to, say the gospel is the answer. So they can use that as an excuse not to physically get involved. Right. You know, they, they don't want to invest any, uh, any they, they, they don't want to invest any sweat equity mm. in the game. And so the same brothers that I saw protesting Christians, even at the seminary that I attended Christian brothers and from churches in Louisville protesting abortion at the clinics. And I know that I was there with him, uh, would not come out and protest mm. racism. And so if you look in, uh, man, if I'm correct, the Baptist message, Baptist faith and message, where it says, okay, we oppose racism. Well, I would say in the same breath, 
if you oppose one thing, well, then you ought to be opposing the other thing. And to oppose one without the other would mean uh, that you're, I would say, guilty of at least the sin of partiality. And so to say that the gospel is the answer, well, here's the one thing. If you're going to say the gospel is the answer, well, at least go speak to the racists and tell them that the gospel is the answer. Try to plant these seeds of the gospel on their hearts. That's the best thing they want right. to do. But it's not to sit there and watch and do nothing. Yeah, you. That. I think that to play off that, it's that uh, the first John 3.18 yeah. is to, to love and truth mm-hmm. indeed. Uh, so we can't so yeah, we, we preach the gospel, but we actually live the gospel out too. And uh and so I, I, I mean I agree uh Joe spot on is that you can't you can't have you can't be partial to, to, to all to, to these issues. And so if you if you are one that that is opposing things like abortion, sex trafficking, those are injustices. You should have the same feelings for something like white supremacy and racism. And that's, I mean, but that that's when it gets uncomfortable for some people. Yeah. Because now we're not talking, we're not talking about those bad guys that we can easily point out. We're talking about our uncle that's going to be sitting mm-hmm. at the family table <laughs> that, that's, that's yeah. talking to us. I think. And it gets, it gets a little bit more personal. Yeah. Joe, Joe brought up a good point too. And this is something that, that has been weighing heavily on me. Um, I saw KB say it, the rapper, uh, last week on social media, like, prayer is our first form of protest. We can always do more than pray, but we can never do less than pray. And to me, right. the gospel, right. being saturated in the gospel, being prayerful uh, and, and growing in your relationship with the Lord, like, thought processes of action, and then the action itself should follow out of that overflow right right right. and so that's that's what makes me think like okay like yes i I think i I shared this the other day like yes i 100 think that like the gospel is the answer but because i believe the gospel is the answer like the lord has called me into a space of doing the best actions that i can do to move the gospel forward and to go into these spaces and say i like this doesn't sound like the the bible i'm reading would agree to this right like this doesn't seem like the spaces that we're like okay in be like you know what it's okay that we have prejudices right like no it's not like we're called to more than that and so uh it it brings me to i think the point that like we're kind of you guys have both touched on and again that that next step so if prayers are for first form of protest and we're we're deeply ingrained in the scriptures and saturated in the word. Like what is next? Like Joe, I'll, I'll pose that to you. Like what are the next steps that you've been processing through? Um, probably to that point, man, I'm going to say that the, the, the gospel is the engine and the motivation behind all of our actions should be yeah. for the believers. Right. And so, man, it always has me going to Acts chapter two when after hearing the gospel, repenting and believing, okay, this first Christian sermon that Peter preached, all these folks that heard it, okay, were were impacted and changed by the gospel, and then that pushed them toward action, which what we saw was they devoted themselves, right, to the teaching, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. But it also, man, it, it, it says that they had all things in common, and that they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all who had need. Yeah. 
okay? And so what we see there, man, is them laying aside their own preferences, at least making efforts to, okay, in order that all people would be equal and, and things would be equitable because they saw the needs, whether that be financial, uh, food, or clothing, whatever the case was, okay, we can even carry that over into now. Like, how is it that we're allowing a gospel to be the engine that pushes us towards actions to where we see brothers and sisters in need that we would give of ourselves so that they, okay, could be uh, uh, um, uh, cared for in such a way um, that they're not, one, living in poverty, that they're, one, secondly, uh, not being oppressed, and then the list goes on and on. And so we, we, we get a bit of a, of a look at how we could live in such a way once the gospel affects and impacts our hearts. Now, some things that I've been thinking through, man, and I'm, and I'm not all the way there yet, next steps from this is, well, one, how do we teach the church? Because um, it always goes, goes back to teaching for, for whatever reason. I don't think we'll ever be done trying to teach uh, our white brothers and sisters um, about the history. Um, I saw a brother say this, man, and I somewhat say this tongue in cheek, but he said, he said, it's funny. I don't know if it was Eric Mason, I think. He said, you know, they, they can figure out how to run this country, how to start the country, how to get a man to the moon, all these arithmetic, sciences, medicine, law, everything in this country but when it comes to racism, they need our help. They need us to explain. This is mm -hmm. one thing they can't figure out. And and I found that a good point because there are so many resources, man, like at disposal, so much access to so many things that they can just read. Uh, some brothers I've given resources years ago and they still haven't read them. They're asking me about Better read up. <laughs> and so, you, you know what I'm saying? You got to read up, man. And you, and, you know, you try to tell them, hey, get into spaces where you are making uh, relational deposits um, and not just deposits, just long lasting relationships with uh, brothers and sisters of color. And so my next step is and how I'm thinking through my church is how do we teach this church um, not just about the slave history and African history and African-American history, in the history of America, but we want to teach it alongside scripture, okay, so that we're not imbalanced, but we want to be balanced with this thing as, a, as you know, from the Christian perspective. And then, um, so trying to come up with methods for that, systems for that, uh, but then, like, how do we continue this thing in an ongoing process to where it's not just, hey, a one or two month thing, and then you don't talk about it for, like, years down the road until it happens again. Um and then we're trying to figure out, man, how can we become more inclusionary in our worship style to some degree? Um, how can we incorporate uh, uh, the culture of not just one ethnicity, but multiple? Um, and then that's another conversation, man, because, you know, once you get into like multi-ethnic multi -ethnic churches, man, uh, you got another ball right. game you got to deal with. Is your church multi-ethnic? Is it yeah. like diverse? <laughs> Sorry, I'm not. <laughs> I'm unaware. Uh, it's somewhat. It used to be, brother. We've kind of had a 
Well, we've had a black exodus to some degree over the years. And yeah, I think uh, Corey Edwards, The Elusive Dream, her book, talks a lot about that. Yeah. I'm trying to deal with those 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 issues in the sure. multi ethnic congregation. But uh, go ahead. I think <laughs> like so Joe, I would I would ask you this question. Yeah. So you said like giving other people resources. Mm -hmm. What would be the the what would be your response to someone who would say that the Bible is sufficient? Why do I need other resources? Mm -hmm. First of all, I'd be curious to know how much are actually in that Bible. Please continue. Yeah. Well, okay. So when somebody says the Bible is the only source that they need, I could say yes and amen to that. I could say yes and amen to that. But the Bible is also a historical document. And we read a lot about the, uh, the cultures of the day and how they dealt with issues based on their culture and that context. And so when we, when we approach scripture um, from a hermeneutical standpoint, we often as uh, uh, this postmodern generation have to find a way to include ourselves in the context to get the best interpretation. So what does that say to us? That means that, okay, for the Bible to be able to speak to us in such a way uh, that is robust, that is helpful, um, and that is ethical, there are some things that we have to think about that only relates to our context for today. And we cannot quickly apply what happened then, whether it be first century or, in a, you know, for a Judeo-Christian, to now. There's a way that we have to apply it, and we have to be wimpsome and wise about it, obviously prayerful about it, but we can't just apply something that we see in Scripture immediately to our context today like it applied then paul was dealing with something different a different culture and different context christ obviously was the old testament obviously obviously was now there's nothing new under the sun we we know that um but we do have to be wise with saying that the scripture is all that we need because here's the thing we have history we have history and so um and most of it is obviously American history, whitewashed history. And so if they say that the scriptures are that they need, man, I would say, okay, well, you need the scripture and history. You need the scripture and the news. Um, you need to know what's going on in order to you, in order to rightly apply it. Um, because you don't want to be ignorant of any situation or any person. So the situation is, here it is. I had a brother come to me last week. Uh, when he was, he was saying, man, I want to get involved in this issue and social injustices and uh, police brutality, I'm going to speak up about it. Said, praise God and amen. He gets involved, and then he says, um, he asked me a few questions that opened my mind to uh, his ignorance. Because one of the most, I think, one of the most dangerous things, um, even alongside racism, is to have a, a, a white brother and sister who wants to get involved in these issues and yet knows no history or anything about it. And what can happen is you can be doing a disservice uh, to the folks who are being oppressed when you know nothing about oppression or the people uh, who are subject to it. And so what will happen is you'll get, he'll get involved or the person will get involved 
And then when you hear things like, hey, uh, George Floyd had a uh, had a criminal history. And once he hears that, he backs out. Now you just hurt the mm. people that you were trying to help because they're looking at you like a hypocrite. Because you got one, you got scared. Two, you don't know the issues. And then three, you you know nothing of the history of oppression that folks have gone through. But then, well, I can go on about that, but hey, Joe, uh, Joe, go, go is, ahead, Mom. Hey, Joe is preaching. He got he got three points <laughs> like batches. So yeah. he, he really preaching this morning. So in, in light of that, like you said, like people who, who join the conversation but then back out when things get a little tougher. Mm-hmm. Um so you you pro you marched. Yeah. Um, and then you set up your own uh, kind of march with other Christian pastors in the area, correct? Right, right. And so there, the, the first march was uh, was with a lot of people who, who identify with the group Black Lives Matter. Yeah. So what would you say to people who say, I can get with Black Lives Matter, but I can't get with the organization Black Lives Matter? Yeah, yeah. Because that, that's the thing that has to be parsed out. Um, oftentimes, um, these these terms, obviously, that we use. I got people who say, I can't even, I can't, I don't even want to say it because yeah. I don't want people to think that I'm associated with this group. Yeah. And I, I get that. I think that's that's fine. I think you want to be careful who you associate with. Um, you really got to be able to make distinctions, man, unfortunately. Like, I think we would love to get behind BLM at large, but you just can't. And so you really got to make a distinction that I'm getting behind this specific issue that Black Lives Matter is also behind. And I think that people can do that. Um, People can get behind the movement um, without getting behind the so-called group. Uh, Because, I mean, there's some there's some muddy waters in that thing. Um, How do I feel about that? I don't know, man. I really don't have too many thoughts about that, like how people feel about your mind black lives matter because I, I understand both sides of it so yeah that's i mean that's something that like as we continue that's like as we continue processing forward that's something that i'm thinking through yeah is that um i think that all christians have to be wise about their you know they're pretty much everything you do you have to be you have to be prayerful and wise considering everything that you do but especially issues when it comes to to social justice uh, uh-huh. because they're so politicized uh-huh. and not that not to say that you should be afraid of a certain political party yeah but we should mm. just be careful mm. about the things that we that we do and prayerful in in everything that we do yeah so if you if you if you do like i don't have a problem with with the marching and protesting mm-hmm. it's just it's just being very, very careful to to make a distinction that, mm-hmm. yeah, I may be marching with this group, but I'm not of this group. Right, right, right. That's right. Yeah. So when we marched, yeah, we weren't a part of the Black Lives Matter crew, uh, but, you know, we marched with our agenda because uh, scripture informed us, my wife and I, um, with how to seek justice. And uh, and we were protesting on behalf of that injustice. And one thing that we do understand is that protesting brings awareness. And so some people are out there for their own agendas, obviously, and who knows what that is. Um, and you're right, uh, Devin, that 
Yeah, as Christians, yeah, we do have to be wise with who we associate with. And we got to be wise with how much we put a certain agenda or a certain group or whatever on 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 the platform. Um, sometimes we can give way too much uh, stage time to certain things or to certain political affiliations. And, and then that could be to someone's detriment and it can be to the detriment um, of the witness, the Christian witness. And so we do have to be wise with how much uh, credence we give political affiliations because here's the thing, people have no problem like promoting their political affiliations. They have no problem saying I'm a Democrat or Republican, but to come alongside and say, well, I got a problem with saying like Black Lives Matter now. We can talk about that as well. Like, right. so why do you? But you don't have a problem over here when this when this political party uh, upholds the same things to some degree. Um, so there's a lot of blind spots to this thing, and there's a lot, you know, so so many holes and gaps um, in these issues. And so, so I think we I think we bring up a couple interesting points, like in terms of you know what. Is the next? What are the next steps? Like, I think education obviously is one. I feel like we've been saying that on the podcast. I feel like the conversations I'm having with with you know fellow white brothers and sisters that are that are asking me, uh, you know, the first thing I'm encouraging them to do is is educate yourself and then listen to people that don't look like you. Like if your if your stack of books that mm-hmm. you have in your office is is thirty deep and thirty of them are all white, you should probably you should probably find some other influences too, right? But like, so, yep. so I think education, I think listening, I think understanding, having awareness of who you associate with, like, I think those are all like tangible, like actionable first steps. Uh, you know, what would you say to somebody that was like, okay, so we're fighting for like reform and things like that. Like, what are some actual points of reform that we could be pointing out and fighting for? Right. Does that make sense? Like, you know, specifically, I'm thinking in police reform, things like that, like, do you guys, either of you, have any like right. things that you would say? And I think we could really put this on the forefront. And as Christians, like it's a, it's something that it makes sense. It's something that we would demand of another job, right? Like just anything like that. Okay, Dave. Now you get into the politics. Of yeah, we're in politics. I, okay. Uh, I think I think it's important though. I really yeah, do so, because I think we can sit here and say all these things. But like I, I want to make sure that people that listen to this podcast. Uh, that are willing to step into the space and hear us, that they have understanding that like, yeah, this is a, like, this is a gospel. So we're going to keep fighting from the perspective of the gospel. However, like there are tangible things that we can fight for. Like, what are those? So that's kind of where I'm at. So I would say the first thing for me is when I say police reform, it's, it's almost changing how the way that we do policing. So I don't think there's any reason for someone, for a police officer to put someone in a chokehold uh, to subdue somebody, especially if four other people are, down, are, are, are there, especially if that person's in handcuffs. You know, they're, like, they're, I don't think there's, there's very few reasons I can think of for a police officer to put someone in, in a chokehold. Mm-hmm. Now, officers, you, you're more than welcome to come on the podcast and tell me what, what are those reasons. But I, I, I think that that's one of the things that I can, like, we can, we can ban that. Um, I'm not for, I, I don't really Same. get down with the whole defund the police. Uh, someone's going to have to explain that to me a little bit more mm-hmm. for me to, to understand that. But as of right now, that's not where I stand. Um, but then I also think that like, um, 
when when there are investigations of police officers, I think it needs to be an outside entity. It can't be internal investigations. Mm -hmm. um, because if I'm looking out for my family and I'm investigating my family, of course I'm gonna find my family innocent most of the time. Yeah. And uh, so I, th those are just a couple like practical things I can think of um, that are like right away, like, and those are towards police officers. You see like in Louisville, They've already um, banned the no-knock warrant, which I think is a huge, huge victory. Yeah, yeah, which is which is something that's that's huge for people because a lot of these policies, when when we when we look at like crime, we're we're talking about urban areas, but we're talking about heavily uh, heavily populated areas of people of color, and so I think that this is it's a it's a I mean, so we we should be very vigilant when when thinking about these issues and how and how they're going to affect people black people and and brown people uh, who who maybe who are probably going to experience this at a higher right. rate than people in the suburbs mm -hmm. no doubt no doubt um this kind of goes back to our uh earlier point about you know the gospel not being enough because you know if if white brothers and sisters go into an area that's heavily populated with people of color, man, low income, um, whether, you know, you want to call them hoods or whatever, you know, you can go give them the gospel, but yet these folks are still struggling to find jobs, food. Um, they're being heavily policed, obviously, um, while there's a lot of prostitution or drug infestation in these areas. And so to just give them the gospel and just leave them there, you know, to just leave them there, just to fend on their own, you know, with nothing else. Uh, again, it's to do a disservice. And so now what the person has to do is look at, man, what systems are keeping these folks <clears throat> uh, to some degree in, in bondage to their own society. You know, and so now we got to figure out, man, how do we eradicate these systems? And so it goes to the next step. How can we eradicate these systems? How can we remove these systems or reform? these systems and this gets into systemic racism to some degree okay because we want our brothers and sisters to have the same opportunity to thrive in the land which we also live in and so uh police reform yes um we, we have to look at who is uh, uh also i mean so many institutions right and so you, you got to go into schools heck you got to go into the the institution of the church yeah and look at church reform as well just to put that out there to some degree. Um, and so, man, yeah, he said the law, the no-knock warrant. Praise God for that. Um, brother, I, I wouldn't even know where to begin with right. all the things that we could reform in, the, in this country. And a lot of things have been reformed to some degree. I think what really needs to have, what really needs to be reformed is the accountability right. of these systems and structures in place. Because what we have a lot of, which, what we have a lot of is individuals with a lack of character in these seats of accountability who are not doing their jobs. And so a lot of people uh, sitting in certain positions of the higher up uh, have got to be removed and replaced with men and women who can actually uh, be of integrity and character to be able to provide the necessary accountability that we need to oversee mm. these systems. Yeah. And that's, I think that's where, when we talk about uh, the first thing you talk about with government, most Christians that I know are going to bring up Romans 13. But, Submission, right. Exactly. But 
Romans 13 and other verses along with it is, is talking about God holding these people accountable in these positions. Right. And if these people aren't doing what they're, what they're supposed to do, it's almost like being being a teacher, preacher, pastor. Like they, they're going to get going judged, to judged harsher. Right. Because they because they failed to do what they were supposed to do in their in their position. So us yep. as Christians, when we engage with politics, we don't give up because our side didn't win. Right. We we hold these people accountable for for this biblical standard. Right. No matter what the, the party the party line that they that they hold to. That's right. That's right. I'm glad you said that, man. Um, the difference between some white Christians and black Christians is some white Christians will say that in Romans 13 and say, well, you got to submit. But it now goes back to what I said earlier, man, about this, this hermeneutical approach, because oftentimes we approach scripture because of our own historical and contextual and cultural upbringing. That really informs how we interpret scripture a lot of the time. And so if, if our white brothers and sisters cannot get into the skin of people in color in their situations, okay, um, they'll always interpret with a biased lens. Mm. And so I like what you said about that, man. Like, we do have to hold these folks accountable. All right? And we, I mean, we really do. So how do we do that? You and I talked a, while, a few weeks ago about it, about Christians. Next steps. Here it is, Dave. On our end, Christians have got to be involved in politics, specifically with how they vote. And with how they mm. view our their neighbors. So if we are to love our neighbors well, we have to think about the policies and, and future legislations uh, that will affect our neighbors um, and not just us. And so we can vote for something that will benefit us. But if what benefits us is going to be a detriment and a hindrance uh, to our neighbors, well, then we have to rethink that. We have to revisit that because we want them to benefit from it as well. We, we, we have to want all men, people to benefit. And so that should influence how we vote based on how mm. these things affect our neighbors. Yeah, yeah. I told you you're preaching. I mean, you're spot on, though. You're, you're <laughs> spot on with that. I think that, um, you know, accountability, I think that being in the in the midst of voting, things like that, like that's like we got to be engaged in those spaces. And I, I mean, I'll just be really, really honest with you guys. Like it's like politics has been a space that I've avoided for so long because I feel as though I'm voting for candidates and not actually policies and agendas. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been really hard for me. So I'm I'm processing through how I educate myself on their actual policies versus their faces versus the things of their past because unfortunately like the political system is going to be whoever can raise the most money right and it's it's going to be like that's who's going to be on the forefront but they are voting and are actively engaged in real issues and if we're not doing our part to help pursue justice you know from the booths then, like, we are missing a mark. Like, we are missing a piece of action that we can help control. Um, and we can help promote people and put people in, you know, spotlights that, like, hey, look, like, this person or, or this group is is actively fighting for X issue. Like, we need to back them. We need to make sure that people we know are educated about what the issue means and how this is going to operate and things like that. So that is really important. And 
again, I think sinfully, like I've been disengaged because I felt very like politics is not the answer, but I think it is a part of the equation. Like, I don't think it's the answer, but I do think it is a part of the equation. Mm -hmm. So it's really important to understand that as believers, like we're called to be in our spaces for a reason. We're not just called to sit there. We're not just called to like go through the motions. And that's, that's my thing is, is that like the Bible, your prayer time, like that should inspire action and everybody's action is going to look different, but like, it's got to inspire something. If it doesn't, I would argue that you're not doing those first two things. I would argue that you don't have the same like thought process that the people in the Bible do have, which is to, you know, live out the gospel and to be meet needs and to, you know, pursue righteousness and holiness, right? Because I think a part of that is is loving the people around you well. Mm-hmm. So, um I really appreciate those points. Mm-hmm. I would I would think that the only thing I would add like to like potential reform is I think that Defunding the police is not the answer. I think reallocating funds inside the police, adding funds to areas of education and training uh, are huge, like de-escalation trainings, uh, you know, more intense backgrounds, uh, like getting to the roots of things, psychological like processing of how they how they deal with issues. Uh, you know, I, I spoke with one of my endeavorance friends that's a that's a police officer. And he said, you have no idea how many people their fuel to get through training was because they couldn't wait to have a badge and a gun and be powerful. And when I heard when I heard that, mm-hmm. man, my, my heart, I believe it just it turned. It just turned into such a it hurt me, you know, because I, I, I see that. And I don't think that's for everybody. I, I don't think that's a broad generalization, but like this is somebody inside that grouping, you know what I'm saying? And this is like, it's a real problem. It's a real issue. And it is cultural, right? Like we, we say all these cultural issues, like police culture in certain areas is really bad, right? Like, I think we can acknowledge that like there's some bad culture and there's people that spur that and that, that egg that on. And so anyway, when we have more education up front, we have more training up front. And we have that upfront expectation, like, look, if you buck this system, we're going to hold you accountable. And when we hold you accountable, you're not going to get another job in law mm-hmm. enforcement. So, like, you see what I'm saying? Like, because a lot mm-hmm. of times these, like, people yeah. that, are, that are, you know, committing these heinous crimes from behind the badge, they've done stuff previously. They got kicked off of another force. They've moved cities. And people are like, oh, you want to be a cop? Great. We have a shortage of cops. Come on in. And like, yeah, that's right. a problem. Right. Like if I, you know, I'm in corporate America. If I rob my company of a million dollars, like I'm not going to get hired by another corporation. I shouldn't at least. Yeah, you and, and so for me, it's just like, these are, <laughs> these are the spaces in which we just need to advocate for like not less funding, but more uh, targeted funding and how they use their money and how, you know, people are trained and, and taught and and utilized within their force. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. There has to be a better, like, as we're saying, systems of accountability, man, like all across the board. Um, the network of law enforcement, they seem to be disconnected, um, you know, when it comes to these issues where somebody is fired and let go. Um, for, for some 
for negligence or some heinous acts, and yet they can get hired on somewhere else. It shows you that this network is disconnected. Um, there's no accountability in place, systems of accountability in place. And that's, that just has to be changed, brother. That, it really needs to be changed. And I like your idea with targeted funding, which I don't know, that could be what they're talking about discussing in this defund police, but I'm like, like Devin, I got to look into it more because I'm not sure all of what it's even discussing or talking about. I've heard people say different For things sure. about it. Well, you know, I think the, I would, I would just like to, you know, kind of encapsulate this conversation and just the ending of like, I think it's important to understand that if you listen to the evolution of the last three weeks of kind of this podcast, I think that you would see some very uh, different things, but they're all in the same lineage, right? So last week when we had, when we had Gerald on was very um, like, like Gerald is about the word and about souls. And I think what's important is, is that people don't listen to this and think, this is totally opposite from last week's podcast. It's not. You have to look at it in terms of a lineage, right? You have to look at it in terms of, we have to be about souls. Shout out to you, Gerald. We have to be about souls, but in that, to get to souls, we have to understand that like, we have a place in society to go out and help meet people's needs, and that's the second step. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's mm -hmm. not a. I think I know, think if ahead, you go, Josh. yeah, because Dave, I think I think if you if you go if you look back, even starting with the Scott episode, you went from like straight shock, frustration, almost remorse and guilt and yeah, all that. Then Jared was was more okay, like going to like what is this all about? You know, and he and he's 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 preaching to people, but the the episode this exactly. week is not is not we're not changing the tone. It's it's more of next steps, which is which is good, and practicality of what the gospel implications are to the people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's a good point, man. You know what I would love, folks, to I guess, you know when they hear us saying like, you know, what we're talking about in terms of racism in America and the gospel, you know, what's I just come to find this out because um, it, it happened that, you know, when, when people hear me say, you know, call out racism in the country, they could easily hear me mm -hmm. say that I don't love this country. I don't love America. I call you a socialist or Marxist. Yeah, exactly. And I have to have to, come at that and rebuttal and offer some pushback and, and ask them the questions, well, when I say certain things, why do you hear me saying that I don't love America when I didn't say that? You know, you have to ask yourself the question, like, as a Christian, why do you hear me say that I don't love America? Well, it could be because you're viewing and you're hearing mm -hmm. through a nationalistic lens or a filter. So what I have to fight against oftentimes is the not yeah. allow my blackness to supersede my Christianity mm. and them too have to fight against not to allow their nationality or their yeah. political affiliation to supersede their Christianity. And that's oftentimes what happens. And that's why they hear what they hear when somebody didn't say uh, specifically that, that they don't love America. And I want folks to understand like this. Yeah. Love America more than anybody. I have privileges obviously that were, that are afforded to me that were not afforded 
to my ancestors. And so, um, however, this, this is not about loving America from a Christian standpoint, all right? Because America is not what fuels uh, what we do and why we do it. Mm. It's the scripture, it's Jesus. It's what informs us and empowers us and gives us the, 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 the view on all these things yeah. to approach it in such a way that we do. And I want all my white brothers and sisters to, to think that same way. Like, let's lay aside our preferences. Let's lay aside our so-called privileges. Uh, let's lay aside our uh, polit political affiliation and, and nationalism then for, uh, for the sake of the gospel to love our neighbors well, because that's the only way we're going to be able to do any of this well. Um, a parent can't just care about the soul of their child and not feed them and not nurture them, not give them clothes and not give them a bed to sleep yeah. and not put a roof over their heads. That's negligence. That is hurtful. And they will be arrested for that. And we won't be arrested, obviously, for neglecting our uh, brothers and sisters of color. White folks won't. However, it's still sin. It's still negligence. Because you're saying, hey, I can just care for their spiritual mm. souls only and not their physical needs. And that can go to a lot of other things. I keep talking about this thing, man, because we can get into some of the old, like, white Christians, brother George Whitfield. We can get into, uh, uh, who, who's my other man? Um, who's one brother they often talk about, man? Uh, Jonathan Edwards. Hey, it's, it's fine that you own slaves. Just convert them and treat them well. And it's cool with that. So it's not like, hey, it'll be cool if you just do this. No, man. We got to look at the whole spectrum of it. It's a holistic approach to this thing, to this walk. Yeah. And that goes back to knowing the history and knowing, knowing where this, thought, this whole thing came from. I think you're just spot on with that, man. Yeah, man, you, when we get to these talks, we could talk for hours and hours okay. and go on about this, man. But I think this, this episode gave us a, a good, like, a good point where to where to go with this practically with with uh with the gospel yeah. and uh how to get how to engage your neighbor how to love your neighbor well through these issues um so man i, I appreciate you coming on the show and uh and, and you know really just i know you, you're still processing through yes yeah, super appreciate it thank you so much i appreciate it man yeah nah, thank you guys man i enjoyed it like i definitely said we can keep That's talking about this Thank you so much. So, and, and, you know, I think a good that job, man. I, last thing I'd like to say is just like, let's keep having this conversation. Devin just mentioned a few minutes ago, like something he's got fear over and that he's, he's anxious about is that like, he doesn't want this conversation to just be a three or four week thing. So like, let's, let's keep hopping on the, hopping at the table and, and having right. this discussion with people. If you're listening to this right now and like it's spurring you to go have a conversation with call them, call them up. Go to dinner, go to lunch, go to breakfast, outside, distance, whatever you do now, whatever your normal is, like, go do it. Like, let this be an encouragement to, to act. And it doesn't look like necessarily being on the front lines of a protest, but you can use your first protest of prayer and go act and, and speak to other people that don't look like you or have differing opinions from you and, and go advance the gospel in the best way you know how. Man, I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much, Devin and, and Joe. And, uh, yeah. Until next time, y'all. Peace.